Thus says the Lord to me, Go and buy a linen loincloth and put it around your waist and do not dip it in water. So I bought a loincloth according to the word of the Lord and put it around my waist. And the word of the Lord came to me a second time. Take the loincloth that you have bought, which is around your waist. Arise and go to the Euphrates and hide it there in a cleft of the rock. So I went and hid it by the Euphrates as the Lord commanded me. And after many days, the Lord said to me, Arise, go to the Euphrates and take from there the loincloth that I commanded you to hide there. Then I went to the Euphrates and dug, and I took the loincloth from the place where I had hidden it. And behold, the loincloth was spoiled. It was good for nothing. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Thus says the Lord, Even so I will spoil the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. This evil people who refuse to hear my words and who stubbornly follow their own heart and have gone after other gods to serve them and worship them shall be like this loincloth, which is good for nothing. For as the loincloth clings to the waist of a man, so I made the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah cling to me, declares the Lord, that they might be for me a people, a name, a praise and a glory. But they would not listen. Let's pray. Father, we ask that that would not be true of us this morning. But that we would listen closely, attentively, humbly to this word that you have given to us. Sometimes so strange and odd. Would you help us as we come to the prophet Jeremiah, we come to his actions and his words. We we trust that that you are speaking, that these are gifts from you and that they are profoundly good for us. Would you help us to trust that even when they are difficult to hear? Would you give us the humility, the openness by your Holy Spirit to receive this word as a seed That it would grow and produce the fruit of your righteousness in our lives. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week I wore something other than jeans to church. Shocking, right? It's not the first time that I've done that. But several people noticed. And they asked me, Jonathan, what's up with the dress pants? As if I had some agenda or it was some special occasion. And it wasn't. It was just a normal Sunday. There was no agenda. But what it did is it gave me an introduction into this week's sermon. (laughs) Because it reminded me that clothes communicate. What we wear, whether formal or informal, whether tattered or refined... What we wear says something about us. It says something about what our cultural situation is. What our relationship to that cultural situation is. Clothes communicate. And in Jeremiah 13, God takes advantage of the communicative ability of clothes. Prophets like Jeremiah didn't just talk. They were like performance artists. 
so that their bodies and their behaviors became vehicles for God's communication. For God to give His message to His people. And so as Jeremiah purchased war and then ruined this piece of clothing, God was revealing something about Himself. God was saying something to His people and to us. God was, in a way, revealing His fashion taste. And the underlying message is, God wants to wear us. God wants to wear us. We are His fashion taste. Now, I know that's strange, and I'm getting really puzzled looks right now. And you think, has Jonathan lost his mind? Which is okay, because people thought the same thing of Jeremiah. So, that's okay. And, and yeah, probably. But, this message is here, and it is a strange message. And I want you to stay with me for a few moments. And let's ask a couple of questions about this strange message. First of all, why? Why would God want to wear us? And then second of all, how? How is it possible for God to wear us? So first of all, why? Two reasons spelled out in verse 11. And the first reason is intimacy. God says, I made my people cling to me. Scholars are uncertain exactly what type of clothing Jeremiah pursued. What what exactly this piece of clothing was that he bought and wore. But one thing seems clear. It came into direct contact with skin in a swimsuit area of the body. How about that for keeping it appropriate? (laughs) And God says, I want to be that close. Jeremiah enacts The covenant relationship that God designed and desired for his people. God says, I want to be that near to you. This item, clothing item that Jeremiah bought and wore was made of linen. Which was the fabric of his other vocation, the priesthood. Within this covenant relationship, those people whose responsibility it was to get the people close to God, to bring them near to His presence so that they could commune with Him, so that they could love and be loved by Him. God wants to wear His people so that they can be profoundly near to Him. But as deeply, in, as deeply intimate as this relationship is and was and was intended to be, it wasn't private. It wasn't private. Whatever Jeremiah wore, it wasn't exactly what we think of as underwear. It wasn't covered by other pieces of clothing. It wasn't hidden. It was visible. And because it was made of linen, it was also attractive and beautiful. It was, this was a visibly beautiful piece of clothing. And so God says again in verse 11, second reason for wanting to wear my people, not only that they would cling to me, but so that they would be for me a name, a praise, a glory. 
God designed this relationship not only for their private, personal benefit, but for the public display of His splendor. God wants to wear His people not only for the sake of intimacy, but for the sake of beauty. His beauty revealed to the world through them. Think about all those famous love songs that were written for a specific person. Sometimes with that person's name in the title of the song. Think about that. On the one hand, these songs are expressions of intimate affection between two people. On the other hand, they are expressions of beauty shared by thousands and in some cases millions of people. That is like the relationship that God desires with His people. That is like the relationship that God desires with us. At the same time, deeply intimate and publicly beautiful. And I can say us because this pattern isn't limited to Jeremiah 13. It reaches all the way back to creation where God created humanity in his likeness and image. Likeness in the sense of parent and child closeness. Image in the sense of public reputation and representation. Intimacy and beauty. And this pattern doesn't just reach back to creation. It also goes forward to the new covenant relationship with God through Jesus who speaks to his disciples, to those who follow him. And he speaks to them of God's attention and affection and care so close to us that the very hairs of our head are numbered by him. But at the same time, Jesus can then call us to be the light of the world, a city on a hill, so that our good works will shine, so that others will see them and will glorify, hear the echo of Jeremiah there, glorify our Father who is in heaven, intimacy and beauty. That is why God wants to wear you. That is why God wants to wear us. That is the relationship that He extends to us through Jesus, Jesus, as he calls you to follow him, invites you this week as you worship, as you work, as you play, as you relate in your marriage, in your friendships, at your workplace, to your neighbors. Jesus invites you to become the garment of God. Close to him. Intimate with Him, but also a beautiful revelation of His character, of His splendor. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less than that. Don't settle for less than a profound intimacy with God that allows His beauty to shine through your life. But as I say that, the word that pops into my head 
is failure. As I think about my life. And maybe, maybe you think the same. You feel the weight of that. And you think immediately of, of how you have failed to be and to do that. And even this passage, this text that we've read, isn't it, doesn't it seem to be more about the people's failure than it is about God's goal? So, second question. If God wants to wear us deeply intimate with Him, revealing His beauty, if He wants to wear us, how is that even possible? And to answer that question... We need to identify the problem and identify the solution. So first of all, the problem. The problem, not surprisingly, is sin. Verse 10 says that this people to whom Jeremiah speaks, they had failed to listen to God's word. They had stubbornly followed their own hearts. And they had gone after other gods. That is a great description of the fullness of sin. It's a great definition of sin. Rejecting God's desires, elevating our own desires, and therefore replacing God with something or someone else. And I want you to notice two results of sin enacted by Jeremiah as he plays dress up in this chapter. First, God God tells him to bury this piece of clothing, this garment. And by burying it, 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 it rots. And because it rots, it becomes useless. It becomes unable to fulfill the role for which it was made. That is what God's, that's just what sin does to those made in God's image. Second result, where does Jeremiah bury this piece of clothing? It's at a river, the Euphrates River. The Euphrates River was the most famous river in the Babylonian Empire. Now remember what what Jeremiah's overarching message to this people is. He is saying, if you don't repent, God is going to judge you. And how is God going to judge you? He is going to exile you from this land where he lives with you. And where is he going to exile you? To Babylon. Sin creates Distance. It creates a loss of intimacy. And sin corrupts the ability to reflect God's beauty. A loss of beauty. Two results of sin, a loss of intimacy and a loss of beauty. And it seems, doesn't it, as if Jeremiah leaves us in that tragedy. As if he leaves us in the tragedy of God shedding the garment of his people. But although this scene comes to an end, Jeremiah keeps writing. And there are three words that we've already mentioned in this text, at the end of this text. Remember, God wants his people to be a name, a praise, and a glory. These three words occur in one other place in the book of Jeremiah. It's in chapter 33. It is one of those rare occasions where Jeremiah turns positive and he begins to hint at a solution. And he says, yes, God is going to judge his people by exiling them to Babylon. But that judgment will become a cleansing. 
In this work, God will cleanse his people so that they will be for him once again a name, a praise, and a glory. A visible demonstration of his beauty. It's interesting then that the river Euphrates, before it was a river in Babylon, it was a river in Eden. One of the rivers that flowed out of the Garden of Eden described in Genesis chapter 2. So see, this water that is judgment, Jeremiah says, it will become cleansing. It will become washing. It will become transformation for God's people. Jeremiah anticipates a time when God will take those who have been defiled and frayed by sin. And he will wash them. And he will reweave them as a people near to him who reflect his splendor. That's what Jeremiah anticipates. The river Euphrates becoming not judgment, but cleansing. The possibility of washing and reweaving. That's how God can wear his people. Have you seen the picture of the Syrian woman being rescued from ISIS territory? She's standing in the bed of a pickup truck celebrating her newfound freedom by taking off the black robe that she had to wear and revealing underneath a colorful and beautiful dress. That is the work that Jeremiah anticipates. That is the work of God to remove the dark oppression of sin. And reveal the dazzling color of images restored and renewed. And what Jeremiah anticipated, Jesus accomplished. What Jeremiah anticipated, Jesus accomplished. Jesus is the pure and perfect image of the Creator. Who on the cross... Suffered the distance and the defiling shame of our sin so that he could bring us near to God, so that he could wash us, so that he could reweave us with his forgiveness and with the work of the Holy Spirit. That is how we can become. The garment of God. It is through the work of Christ. That's why the New Testament is full of fashion language. Put off, put on. Those are the Greek words for changing your clothes. And they are found in Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, 1st Peter, Hebrews, and James. So, for example, 1 Peter says to us in chapter 2, put off anger and envy and malice. And then in chapter 5, he says to us, clothe yourselves in humility. In the book of Colossians chapter 3, Paul tells us to put off the old self with its sinful practices of sexual immorality and drunkenness and anger again and covetousness and greed. And he says you can do this 
Because you have put on a new self. A new self that is being renewed in the image of God. And so you can put on compassion, kindness, and above all, love. That dramatic change of clothes is possible because of Jesus. You see, God wants to wear us. And so He clothes us with the righteousness of His Son. God wants to wear us, but He does not leave us cast off, rotting, useless. He clothes us with His Son. Will you receive that gift this week? Will you open your life to God wrapping you in the righteousness given to you in Jesus? I'm going to make a dangerous literary move here at the end. And I'm going to change the metaphor. A few weeks ago, we had a curry disaster at our home. A large amount of curry powder spilled on our kitchen floor. I won't say by whom. No judgments. (laughs) So we cleaned up that mess with our vacuum cleaner. And I I need to say, yeah, you know where I'm going. And and not only that, but I need to say this vacuum cleaner, we didn't didn't take out a loan to purchase this vacuum cleaner, okay? Not the nicest piece of machinery in the world. And so now, whenever we vacuum our floors, it smells like an Indian restaurant exploded. (laughs) We need to become like that vacuum cleaner. We need to so breathe in Christ and what he has done and what he has said and what he has given to us that we begin to smell like him. Switching the metaphor back. Our response to this message of God wanting to wear us must not be us trying to dress ourselves with our religion With our morality, it must become us opening our arms, opening our hearts, opening our lives to the garment that God has given to us in His Son. And we won't see the perfect and complete evidence of that for now. We'll see glimpses of it, but not in its completion. But one day we will. One day we will. See, see, fashion language, it plays an important role in another New Testament book, in the book of Revelation, which gives us a vision of the future. As all of those who belong to Jesus stand before God clothed in, guess what? Linen. Linen. Bright and clean. Because they have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Receive the clothes that God wants to give to you through His Son. Let's pray.